We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is Twitter Spaces. Thought we'd jump on here and talk a little bit about the big news of the morning. Well, I guess some of the big news of the morning. The Celtics are busy dealing with some stuff going on there. But Bojan Bogdanovic sent to Detroit in a shocking deal for Kelly Olenek and Sabin Lee. No draft compensation coming to the Utah Jazz. Danny Ainge instead sending Bogdanovic to Detroit. What this means for the Lakers, I know there's a lot of Lakers fans right now, based on the response that I've seen in social media, uh, who are pretty upset, not thrilled with this because of what it means. I don't think people are necessarily too upset that the Lakers won't get Bojan Bogdanovic. Like he's a fine player. I think he'd be a nice fit for the Lakers. But I think most of the reaction that I've seen on social media has been people upset that it means the Lakers will have Russell Westbrook on the roster to start the season, and it means that they will not be making any kind of a big move to free up this roster, which, as we've talked about many times, this roster doesn't make a lot of sense as presently constructed. It's just, it's very, very guard heavy. You've got some questions about the size. The shooting certainly a concern as well. And it now seems almost certain that none of that's going to get addressed before the season starts. So I think that is the root of the frustration right now for Lakers fans, particularly when you see what he went for. And for Lakers fans who have been told all summer, right, by opposing fans, by national media, that anything the Lakers do requires both of their first round picks, 2027 and 2029, has to be in any deal because, and this is what we've heard over and over again, the price to move Russell Westbrook is one first round pick. The price to get back any kind of playable piece for him is another first round pick. So if the Lakers are going to get Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, it's both first round picks. If the Lakers are going to get Boyan Bogdanovich and Mike Conley and something else, it's both first round picks. That's been sort of the national narrative, even though the Lakers the whole time have been pushing back saying, no, we're not going to, we're not going to give up both firsts unless we get something that's going to make us a championship contender only to turn around and see players shipped away for very little. You look at the Christian Wood trade, you look at the and now the Boyan Bogdanovich trade with no picks coming back. You look at the Jeremy Grant trade. You look at the Malcolm Brogdon trade. 
how many of these players have been shipped out? And again, each situation in the NBA marketplace is, is unique, but how many players have been shipped out for what seems like pennies on the dollar only to see the Lakers put in a position where it's demanded from them that they give up both their first round picks and the Lakers have been unwilling to do that puts them in a really difficult position. And I understand why fans would be frustrated though, that again, to steal a phrase from Dennis Schroeder at the end of the day, doesn't look like a deal is going to occur. Uh, joining me right now from LakersNation.com is Ron Gutterman to talk about this and what's happening here, what this might mean for the Lakers. Ron, how are you doing? And uh, good morning. Not usual that we're that we're on a, uh, a live show this early in the day. Yeah, I you know not not fully a hundred percent prepared, but I hear. I guess we're just here to talk some basketball, talk some Boyan Bogdanovich. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on here. So I guess first and foremost, what what's your reaction? Like I'm, if I were the Utah Jazz, if I was a Jazz fan, I'd be pretty underwhelmed with this return for the best player in my mind that you've got on on the block in Boyan Bogdanovich, a guy who we thought carried a decent amount of value in a league that is very hungry for wing players to see him go for Kelly Olenek, who still has money on the books. He's got, it's only 3 million guaranteed for next year, but has money on the books for next season. And I guess a young guard in, in Saban Lee, is this just the jazz really like Saban Lee or what's, what's your take from the Utah side? Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to see it from the Utah side. Uh, I mean, the rumors from earlier this week were, were that the Phoenix Suns were offering, you know, Jay Crowder and and whoever. And we, we had a discussion about this yesterday where we thought, oh, that's for sure going to carry a pick with it. Because why would the Jazz just want, like, a vet and nothing and, like, and some throw-in salary? And yet here they are accepting a vet and some throw-in salary. So I, I'm, I'm a little confused from the Jazz side why they would do this right now. I don't think there was much urgency. I think they could have waited and eventually gotten a first-round pick. Um, but yeah, I don't really see this from the Jazz side. From the Pistons side, I kind of like it because the Pistons, I mean, they're not going to be a great team, but they have themselves a solid veteran that they can trust. And worst comes to worst, if they are really, really bad and they weren't expecting to be really, really bad, they can just flip them at the deadline. And I think that that's great for them. Yeah, wings retain value in the NBA. It, people are raising their eyebrows saying, why would you know the Pistons, they're not a team that's ready to make a playoff push. Why would this team be looking to get a veteran in Bogdanovich? Frankly, for the price, I think there's a pretty decent chance that they can sell him higher at the trade deadline than what they're, they're buying him for here. I don't think this costs them a whole lot. And you're actually clearing some salary off your books for next year at the expense of having to pay a little bit more. The Jazz save about $5 million this season. I've seen a lot of Lakers fans have the take, well, it's Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge could be, look, Danny Ainge traded uh, Donovan Mitchell to the Cavs in part to spite the Knicks, right? In part because of, it was kind of a, hey, well, you don't want to do this deal with us. Well, fine. We've got a better deal over here anyway. So this is what we're going to do now, especially if you're going to try to play hardball with RJ Barrett's contract. So, is this in any way Danny Ainge just spiting the Lakers? Like, could you could you see a scenario where that's what's happening here? Danny Ainge is just saying, well, Lakers, since you won't give up both first, fine, here you go. We're sending them somewhere else. I, I don't necessarily know. And I, I'm seeing a lot of, you know, Lakers tax uh, debates yeah. happening on the internet right now. I'm not necessarily sure it's that because the, the Lakers were not asking for Boyan Bogdanovich by himself. Um, they were saying, hey, can we have Boyan and some of your other good players 
and we give you our terrible contract that we don't want. Like that, they were asking a lot of the Utah Jazz. And so while I don't think two firsts was ever a reasonable asking price, I think I understand why for the Lakers, it was at least one first for Boyan Bogdanovich. And for everyone else, it's a veteran and filler salary. Because the Lakers were never just saying, hey, could we have Boyan and we'll give you, you know, THD and Kendrick Nunn. Like that, I don't know that that was ever a debate. I think it was more, hey, can we have Boyan and Clarkson and Conley and we give you Russ uh, and we, we don't want to do picks for that. Like, so I think the conversation was very different. So it's hard for me to compare the two. Um, I mean, of course, I, I do think there is some form of Lakers tax when it comes to desperation in this league. But I don't know that this situation is like the ultimate proof of that. Right. Yeah. And, and I think there, it does exist to some degree. But again, the Lakers, the general sense heading into the summer was there was blood in the water, right? I mean, they... They needed to move Russell Westbrook, and teams were going to make sure that they had to pay in order to do so. So, I mean, it makes sense that teams would be demanding a lot from the Lakers in order to get a deal done. What does this ultimately mean? I mean, we heard the news yesterday that from the Pacers' side that Miles Turner would be on their roster to start the season. If you're the Lakers, do you put in another call to the Pacers and say, hey, you know, what are we, what are we thinking now? Or do you think this is, this is it and the Lakers are just content? They've made their decision. They're going to go into the season with the roster as is, and then they'll see if something better comes along. Do you think we're there, or is there a last-ditch effort to make something happen here? I mean, I don't know that it's ever wrong to like have a phone call with another team. Like, I don't think, I don't think it'd be out of this world for the Lakers to just call up the Pacers and be like, "Hey, one more time," Can, and and it'll be a short conversation, right? It'll be, "Hey, are you know one more time? Are you sure it takes two first round picks?" And the Pacers are going to be like, "Yeah, it takes two first round picks," and the Lakers are going to be like, "Okay, bye." Like that, I don't I don't know how long of a conversation that is. I think that's just where they're at right now. So. I don't see a trade happening. I think Russell Westbrook is on this roster. This was kind of the nail in the coffin that Russell Westbrook is going to start the season on the roster. And now it's now it's up to Darvin Ham and company to like make this work, make it happen, do something. What are your thoughts on on that from a value perspective for for the Lakers? Clearly they are valuing what would essentially be an opportunity cost, right? If they were to move Russell Westbrook now and you give up Whatever draft capital it is, whether it's one first, two first, whatever, you're using your one, the one arrow in your quiver, right? If you do that now at the opportunity cost of whatever you could do in the future, based on what what is reportedly out there, based on what would have been out there from the Jazz and the Miles Turner Buddy Heald deal that could be out there for the Pacers, is that the right decision? Kind of kicking the can down the road and hoping that something else comes along? I mean, the idea has got to be just pray that Darvin Ham can keep the team afloat until some something better comes along on the trade market. Is that a worthwhile gamble in your mind? Yeah, I, I think it is because I don't know necessarily. I mean, look, Miles Turner and Buddy Heald make, makes the Lakers a better team, but it doesn't make them a championship. Like, they're going to win. It really, I'm not even sure, puts them in, like, the top five of teams I think would win a championship if it was Miles Turner, but he'll maybe top five, but I'm not hundred percent sure. I don't know if that's the deal that you say, okay, this is the one we're giving up two firsts for and, and we're getting rid of every asset we have left. Like if they did that deal, I mean, you said last arrow in the quiver. It literally, I mean, there would be nothing after that. Like where, where do you even go if you want to add 
uh, you know, a wing piece next year that's not available via free agency? Like, where do you even go? You have nothing left. This preserves some flexibility. And you know what? They hired Darvin Ham. They put faith in him to make this work. So they want to see they want to see that through rather than basically saying, yeah, you know what? We're going to give up everything we have left just to make a a move that makes us better for sure but not quite a let's win a championship guaranteed type team. Yeah, I think that you can make the argument too that Russell Westbrook's value, even if things completely fall apart, it's not getting lower because the teams that are trading for him are trading for him as an expiring contract, not as a player. Whether he's at home or whether he's on the floor, that doesn't change. He's an expiring contract. The only thing that could improve is if Russ buys into the system and proves that he can be a real role player for this Lakers team, which is not what we're expecting, but you're locking that in if you go ahead and you make this move now, whereas you're at least leaving the opportunity there uh, for for upside potentially if things do fall into place this season. Again, not what I'm expecting, and I understand the other side of the argument that, hey, by the time you figure that out, you may you may be so far underwater here this season. You may have lost so many games that you've dug yourself a hole that's too deep to get out of. That's certainly possible, but there's an upside to doing this the way the Lakers are too. I know a lot of people are upset right now, but there is the potential that this does work out still for the Lakers. Um, joining us now from Lakers Nation, we've got Sean Spaces Davis. I will bring up some people on stage here to to talk as well, Lakers fans, so hang in there for just a moment. But Sean, how are you doing? Uh, surprising news this morning, to say the least, huh? The Lakers tax slash the Rob Palenka tax has never been more real. But uh, nonetheless, what's, what's going on, guys? So you're saying this is a Lakers tax here. Ron and I were just were just talking about maybe this is evidence of a of a Lakers tax. Maybe it's not. I'm I'm I've got to be if I'm Utah, pretty underwhelmed with this return. This can't be like if you're the Jazz right now, you're not celebrating getting what you got for a pretty good wing player. Like I'm surprised that's the the price that he went for. I'm surprised that if that's the price, no other contending team, like the Lakers have one big contract in Russell Westbrook and that's about all they could trade. It's not like the Lakers could have said, well, you know what, let's, let's package together these three guys or whatever, instead of a rest trade and go get Bogdanovich. The Lakers have Russell Westbrook. That's about it in terms of their, their trade market. But I'm surprised you didn't see, Phoenix or or some of these other teams that are in that contending sphere step up and make a deal here for Bogdanovich. I think a lot of fans around the league, not just Lakers fans, are saying that's it. That's all it took to get a good wing score. That's that's surprising to me. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with the talks that they were having with Phoenix, and uh, I mean, it's definitely frustrating. But if this is what his market was around the rest of the NBA. I guess you can understand Rob and the Lakers front office not wanting to give up extra picks. Be like, no, why would I do that? You know, like it, the market around, like you got this back from Detroit. Why am I going to be the only one that has to give up draft compensation? Um, so it's frustrating for sure. But, you know, I guess you can understand the thought process as frustrating as it is from Rob Polink in the front office. Why not to give up draft picks? Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Have you ever been in a situation where you've been stuck focusing on your problems instead of solutions? We see it all the time when we're talking to fans about their roster, trades they've made in the past. People get stuck focused 
on what it is that went wrong rather than how to make things better. It can be tough to train your brain to be in problem-solving mode when faced with a challenge in life, but just as in sports and in our regular life, it is important that you do have that mindset of finding solutions and not getting stuck with your problems. How can your team dig themselves out of the hole that they've put themselves in? What moves can they make? What can you do in your life to make things better? Well, a therapist can help you become a better problem solver, making it easier to accomplish your goals, no matter how big or small. In this day and age where mental health is being pushed to the forefront, it's so important that you take the time to take care of yourself. Therapy can be a great way to unload stress, to have emotional healing, and to help with anxiety and depression. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. Get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and switch therapists at any time. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash Lakers Nation today to get 10% off your first month. All right, before I bring a fan up on stage, which is coming up next, what is the market value then for Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley, and Malik Beasley, guys, if Boyan Bogdanovich, who again, I see as the best player they had on, on the market. Maybe you can make an argument for Malik Beasley, but I had Bogdanovich as the best player they have on the market. What's the market for the other jazz players if Boyan Bogdanovich did not return a first-round pick? Ron, what... What is that going to look? I'd have to imagine the Jazz don't get any first for these players then, right? Yeah, I mean, Mike Conley was always a guy like it, it it's one of those if he is the the headlining part of the deal, the Jazz are going to be the one that need to give up draft compensation. It's not another team paying for Mike Conley. Um that was always the case. The only reason it was different with the Lakers was because the Lakers were taking Mike Conley for Russ. So the Jazz were saying, hey, we're doing you a favor more than you're doing us a favor. That was the only reason that was ever discussed in that direction. Um, If the Jazz are going to send Conley somewhere, they're going to need to attach picks. Clarkson, Beasley, both of those guys are are younger. I could see a world in which one of them nets, you know, like a highly protected first or like a couple of seconds. Like I could see a world in which that happens. Um, but yeah, after seeing the, the Bogdanovich return, I don't know how likely that is. I'm just saying I could see the world because they're younger, um, little, you know, uh, it's reasonable contracts. I, I just think it depends on what a team wants. The market is, is so fluid in the NBA where one minute a player could be worth this much. And then, you know, three weeks later, they're worth a completely different thing. Yeah. That, and that's important to note. The NBA market is not static, it is not stagnant, it is ever-changing, and what a player is worth oftentimes is not determined by the market as a, as a whole. Like It fluctuates with that, but it's also depending on what that player is worth to that team. For example, Rudy Gobert is worth more to the Wolves than he would have been to some other teams because of their struggles to land players in free agency. So I think that's a good point there. Uh, Alan Bravo joining us. Alan, how are you doing? How are you feeling this morning from the perspective of a, a Lakers fan? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I'm not really too excited. I'm excited to see the team and to see if it can, if I can be proven wrong on my skeptical, like I'm on the skeptical that I am on the team and the questions marks that I have. Because, like, 
I just don't understand why the Lakers would pursue so many point guards. Like, why not? Why not wings? Like, we're going against the grain and prioritizing in cap space and long term money rather than competing this year. In my opinion, like, I don't, I don't know if we learned anything from last season. Like, are we just high on, or are they like high on Lonnie Walker or JTA or Troy Brown Jr. or some other players that I'm, I guess I'm missing. Like, I just. Don't I? I don't know. I, I, I like, and then that brings me questions to like, why did like LeBron resign if this roster has really kind of no margins for error? Like, could we have flipped THT for maybe Kelly Oubre or something better? Or I don't know. Like that Patrick Beverly signing was kind of a little too soon in my opinion. I, I just I have a lot of questions, <laughs> as you could tell. Yeah, I mean that's and that's all fair. I mean, and I think that that leads us back to this though. Like, why, why, if you are really going to look at this season as we're running out the clock until we have cap space next summer, then why would you trade THT and Stanley Johnson to get a 34 year old Patrick Beverly? You wouldn't do that. So that still makes me think the Lakers are going to be aggressive on the trade front throughout the season. They're just being very particular. And if that ultimately nets them the trade that they want, then maybe it's not a bad thing. But I do think this is risky going into the season with the roster as is because they can very quickly dig themselves a hole that's going to be very tough to get out of. Uh, Ron, Sean, what do, what do you guys think? I mean, what where do the Lakers go from here? Are they going to make a move midseason? Or, or what do we see happen here? Because I think Alan's right. This roster... It doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, I, I've said this in the past, and I actually said it last night on Monday night's stream as well, that in terms of trading midseason, whether it's Russ or whatever, I personally don't think the Lakers are going to make a midseason trade unless they're like teetering, like they're a seven seed or a six seed. That you're like, okay, well, we're one piece away. We're a title contender. Because um, I honestly see this season going one of two ways where we are, you know, surpass the expectations for like a four or five seed. You're like, oh, OK, crap, this team can really do something special in the playoffs if we're healthy. Or we're like last year and we're fighting for a playing spot um, and things of that nature. I don't I don't see it being, oh, man, like we're at the deadline or we're one piece away. I mean, I hope I'm wrong, but um, that's the only way I see a trade happening. Um, I do agree that this roster doesn't make much sense. But um, I do think they're high on Troy Brown and JTA. I think that was signaled by them trading Stanley Johnson. And Stanley Johnson being reportedly like not in the rotation at all, or the plans for him not to be in the rotation. Um, so, yeah. And yeah, I definitely understand the frustrations from Lakers fans about this roster. Yeah, this is – it's going to be – look, if the Lakers – let's say they go – I don't know, one and four in their first five games or something like that, then we're going to really see the, the frustration boil over, I think. I think that's going to be that's going to be something worth keeping an eye on because I think the patience of the fan base, it's worn thin off of coming off of what I've termed, and other people might not agree, but what I've called the worst season in, in Lakers history last last year relative to fan expectations in terms of just how enjoyable it was to watch the games. That was the worst <laughs> season and so I think patience is very, very thin, and that's something that we also have to factor in with what the Lakers are risking right here by not making a move, apparently, um, with Russell Westbrook. Uh, Alan, do you have something else? No, yeah, like, 
and I think too, like I made this comment earlier in a space earlier that I think where some of the confusion us as Lakers fans where it comes in is like, I mean, we're, we're knowing to compete for a championship and it's for some reason it feels like the organization's okay for just competing a, a, a playoff spot. So I, I don't, and I kind of just don't understand that. And I might be just be biased on that, but I, I don't know. It just, there's just a lot of questions that I have. And I, and I, and again, I appreciate you guys for having me on. And my last question for you would be like, what honestly, in your guys' opinion has to break right for this team to actually compete? Well, that is a good question. And thank you, Alan, for, for hopping on here with us. We do, uh, we do appreciate it. Uh, and I will, Send that to our very own resident optimist, Matt, the optimist Peralta, jumping on here with us now. <laughs> Matt, can this Lakers team compete, and, and what needs to happen? Um, can they compete? Yes. How how do they stack up to the rest of the league? Though it's kind of an open question. Um, as far as you know, uh, the question posed though, I think everything, and this is going to sound like a cop out answer, but uh, I kind of just feel like it, everything comes down to health, specifically Anthony Davis, which I I think everyone can agree on is is the key to this Lakers season. If if there's a if there's an injury to any star, the Lakers are pretty much done for. Um, but if there's any any sort of hope for the Lakers being competitive in the playoffs and and potentially getting to where they want to go, it's going to start and end with AD. So. Uh, my answer is going to be him staying healthy for, you know, a, a good amount of games. I'm saying 60 plus. Yeah, um, we're talking about like what needs to break right for the Lakers to compete. And I, I don't I mean, the, my, my question would be like compete for what? Because if we're talking about like an NBA championship this year with this team, uh, I'm not like 100 percent sure of what can break right. Um, Everyone getting hurt, Ron, except us. Yeah, I'm like uh, the entire NBA coming down with like a foot injury that doesn't affect the Lakers. I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, I just don't see like competing for a playoff spot. The Lakers can absolutely compete for a playoff spot. Everybody's healthy. If Russell Westbrook and LeBron James figure out how to play together for, you know, 15 minutes a night type of thing, like sharing the court and sharing the ball in that way, then yeah, there's absolutely a world where they can compete for, you know, a uh, five seed, a six seed, like make the playoffs as a vote as, as opposed to the play in tournament. Um, but if you're talking about an NBA championship, I, I don't see with this roster, how it, how this season ends up in that way. So I'm like, maybe I'm a pessimist, but I think, uh, I just don't see that world. We got the optimist. We have the pessimist on, on speakers right now. How lovely. Yeah, I mean, I look, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just like I don't I don't see a basketball way that this team wins a championship this year with this exact roster. I just like don't I don't see it. I mean, yeah, true to my name, I'm I'm trying to stay as positive as possible, but I think I'm in agreement with Ron just the way things are constructed right now. It's it's really hard to see a pathway toward a title at least this season. So well, if that's if that's the case and it's they can't win a championship whether they get Miles Turner and Buddy Heald they did a deal with the Jazz. If, if a championship just doesn't appear to be in the cards, then as frustrating as it is, aren't the Lakers then doing the right thing by keeping the powder dry to pull the trigger when they have a better chance to, yeah. to pull something off that will put them into that rarefied air of championship contender? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah that, that's, that's what a lot of us have been saying all offseason, which is like, hey, if, if the trade you're going to make 
isn't going to put you like vault you directly into championship contention, then then there's no point really in in doing one. I mean, this is why most fans were cool with two firsts if it was getting you Kyrie. It's Kyrie Irving. You're going to probably be in championship contention if you have Kyrie, LeBron, and Anthony Davis, regardless of what the rest of the roster looks like. But all these other trades that have been thrown out there, whether it's Pacers, Knicks, Jazz, Spurs, like all of these deals, it was like, this team isn't winning a championship. Yeah, they'll be better than they are at this exact moment, but like that team's not winning at all. So what, what are we giving up two firsts for? Yeah, that's that's exactly the the challenge for the Lakers. But it, but that's frustrating for fans though to sit through the whole summer of all these Westbrook rumors and then have nothing happen and know that you're going into the season and you probably don't have much of a chance to ultimately get to a championship. And then you throw the LeBron element. Look, if, if LeBron wasn't on the team right now, this would be a very different conversation. But with a LeBron that's going to turn 38, it creates that. Um, that energy that you have to go out there and get something done. It creates that urgency for you. And so then you get that complicating factor of, well, then are you wasting LeBron? Why did LeBron sign this extension then? And all and on and on and on. The Lakers are just in a really, really tough spot right now. And the LeBron factor just complicates it that much. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's great to have LeBron on the roster. He's an all-time great, but that's the immediate response to the the most prudent thing for the Lakers might be to hang on to their draft capital, but that's not going to be the best thing for LeBron James. And then it leads to how on board is LeBron with this whole situation. So it becomes very complicated very quickly when we factor that into their decision-making. Yeah. Speaking from like the fan perspective too, like, I, I don't know. Let's say the Lakers make they make a trade. They trade the two firsts for, you know, whoever, Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, let's say. And then let's say the Lakers go out and lose in the second round. Like, because that's that's possibly what would have happened, right? Again, that team with Miles Turner and Buddy Heald is not a guaranteed championship. So let's say they go out and they lose in the second round. I, I don't know that fans' reaction is necessarily going to be, well, at least they tried. I think it's going to be like, man, now... Now it's even bleaker because we're going into this offseason. Yeah, we have cap space, but we don't have a tradable first round pick at all. Like, we just don't have one until 2031. Like, what what are we really doing out here? Like, the, I, I feel like the alternative could be, could have been as bad, if not worse, by trading those two firsts for a team that wasn't going to win a championship either. Certainly could be. Could be. We'll see. I mean, time will tell whether or not this is the correct decision or the Lakers are the correct path. Uh, let's bring a fan on. We've got uh, Tony Vega. Tony, how are you doing? Hey, man. I appreciate it. All good, man. Um, well, not all good. I, if I'm being honest, uh, um, this is kind of it's it's weird because you can only laugh at at, at this at this point. Um, but really, um, I have a question for 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 you all. Like, I I, I understand like the whole not trading Russ. Like, and and you guys have said it the best. But it's just the the whole if the value's not there. Great, I understand that. Like, you, you're the Lakers don't want to get fleeced, and honestly, there's no real value out there for two first round picks, especially those that are coveted. But honestly, when we look also in terms of the decision making from the beginning of summer, the best decision was Darvin Ham. But after that, it's that MLE, like, like Trevor always say, like that. That's a quiver that they used for for uh, for Lonnie Walker. 
And that's at that point, it's kind of like it's a turning point where, okay, we got Lonnie Walker, so they're high on him. But it's it's like this this team is allergic to wings for some reason because it's it's then it's just point guard and point guard. So my question for you all is, why didn't the Lakers go and get more wings with that MLE? To and and this and, and this is more of a statement, but if, as as a fan, I'm just frustrated because the front office has done basically kind of like what every other front office does better, but this front office just doesn't do it for some reason, which is use their MLE to 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 extend a, a Max Christie to that one more year. Same with Austin Reeves, same with THT. Um, basically, Lonnie Walker's not worth that MLE. And out of all that, like, this is a – this this. Lakers team is going against the grain. So it's just like it's a wing driven league, but for some reason we don't want wings. Like for instance, like we could have gone in Bo Cruz with the MLE. We could have gone any significant other players for for the MLE. Like even uh Roby who went for the Spurs, like that was that was a bunny for the exception. So again, I, I think Laker fans are are in tune with, with how some of the cast space works, some of the situational like they are aware, and some of the move the front office is making just it puzzles us, you know, and it's just frustrating. But just I I know this is not a question, but it's just more of a statement. It's just it's puzzling, and if you can make sense of it, then by all means explain. But it's just yeah. No, I think that's I think that's all very fair. I mean, this that's part of the frustration is when you look at the moves that have been made and you stack them up and you're trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together, they don't really fit. It's hard to find rhyme or reason. I've brought this up a bunch of times on the the show. What's the identity of this team? It's not clear. What is it that this organization is trying to do? It's not clear. It's, it's like each move is independent of all the others there's nothing that's really connecting them to create any sign of kind of cohesive vision at least that we can see at this moment maybe that changes down the road but as of right now it's hard to figure out exactly what path they're on like heck, even look at utah i don't i don't like the return utah got necessarily uh, on for bogdanovich but it's also clear what they're doing they're on a very clear path you know what it is that they're trying to do and I don't. I think you can say that of a lot of teams, the Lakers. It feels like you're just kind of just this jumble of things that you're hoping turns into something better than than what it looks like. At least that's my take, Ron. I know you're really big on uh, the value of moves and roster building and, and picking a direction and all that kind of stuff. Can you make any sense of of what the Lakers have done in terms of their roster moves here? Uh, not not particularly. Uh, I I do think yeah, like, maybe that's just the answer. Yeah, like when when it comes to the taxpayer mid level exception from this this free agency class, you know that that wasn't really going to anyone better. I mean, not that I think Lonnie Walker is some you know game changer, but if you look at what people were going for, the, what players were going for this offseason, Bruce Brown is really the only player I look at that I say okay, like. Had he been in the cards for the Lakers, they should have gotten him. Um, uh, well, what? Who, who else, Peralta? You're willing to offer the second year. No, yeah, Bruce Brown was my favorite target this offseason, and I thought he was very gettable. So just hearing his name again makes me sad. Sorry. Oh, okay, okay. You know, yeah. 
Bruce Brown is the one where I'm like, okay, yeah, I definitely would have done that. Um, but I, I don't really know. I, all the good wings went for more than a taxpayer mid-level exception. So I, it's hard to say that the Lakers, you know, should have should have gone a different direction there. But yeah, if you're talking their holistic set of moves, I don't see much of a plan. What I see is a team that made a really critically bad trade last offseason and is just doing anything they can to try and like make that work again. And and it's just this is just one bad move piling on top of another. The only good news with with the bad moves piling on top of each other is none of them are going to hurt the team beyond next beyond this season really because by next season they're going to have a clear cap sheet a few first round picks at their disposal uh and it kind of changes the game a little bit in terms of uh in terms of what they're actually going to be able to do to build their roster so i do give credit to them for that they've remained patient enough to not completely wreck the future although this year is going to probably be a bit ugly I've been trying to come up with the right analogy for what the Lakers, the situation the Lakers are in. And I don't know if you guys have are, are fans of the show Entourage. Obviously hasn't been on in a while, but that was one Love of my it. yeah, one of one of my favorite shows when it was on. So in in the show, Vince Chase, who by the way, I think the actor Adrian uh, Grenier should have just changed his name to Vinny Chase and move forward like that. And just like Bo Cruz, right? We just know him as Bo Cruz. Wancho should just change his name to Bo Cruz and just roll forward as as Bo Cruz. But in any event, in, in the show, he makes a terrible movie. He makes Median and it flops. And he then can't, all of his opportunities completely dry up. He feels like he's stuck. Everything he does just makes the situation that much worse. Nobody wants to give him a job because the last movie he was on completely tanked, right? That's that's what happened. And his agent puts it to him this way, says, you're in movie star jail. And all you can do is wait for the stink of that movie to clear and then try to build your way back. I think the Lakers are in basketball jail because of the Russell Westbrook trade. And they're trying to be careful that they don't dig themselves deeper and they're waiting for the stink of that trade to clear so that they can ultimately build their way back up as difficult as that can be when you're stuck in the midst of it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
Uh, that that yeah, I I appreciate the the answers. It kind of it kind of reflects what what at, at least I'm, I'm I'm feeling, and I think a lot of fans are feeling. And and just one other question for 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 you all, like when we look at this roster and trying because at the end of the day, fans will root for their teams, and I'm probably gonna root for for this team. I'm I'm, I'm gonna be mad, but it's it just is what it is at at, at this stage. But for for the roster and trying to figure out, make sense of it in terms of lineups and whatnot. Uh, what does a healthy nun fit here? So that's kind of like where, where I get stumped. It's kind of like if, if everybody's healthy and they're amazing, someone has to be the one man out. And for some reason, I feel like Austin Reeves may be that person, which I'm actually high on him, but I I don't know. I'm, I'm just stumped. So... <laughs> Personally, I think the one person that would be out in terms of just fit on the floor would be Lonnie Walker. Although, <laughs> although if, bad, if, man. If, if, yeah, if that's the case, then I mean, great. Excuse horrible. your taxpayer on a guy that's not going to play. But I, I think they like Austin Austin from the stuff we've heard. It's been awesome in, in summer workouts. And I, I mean, I think they do. I think Austin actually has the easiest role to define. Um, out the, compared to like Lonnie or a nun or even a dance shooter. Um, but yeah, like Lonnie Walker, where does he really fit? Or maybe it is Kendrick. You know, like where do they fit in the fold? But I think Kendrick is at least a better defender. He's not a great one, but he's a better defender. And then he's at least like, you know, the shooting ability is there as an all fall floor spacer and shooter where Lonnie Walker, the, the best thing you can say about Lonnie right now is that he's athletic. Like he's not a good defender at all. And uh, the shooting ability is so sporadic and inconsistent that you can't even really rely upon it. So, uh, Austin, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about him. But, like, yeah, you make a good point with uh, one of the guards, whether it's Kendrick Nunn or Lonnie Walker. Yeah, that's going to be a challenge for the Lakers. And, of course, we keep coming back to that. We talked about this last night, Sean, on our, our live show, that, like, the Lakers gave their full taxpayer mid-level, and when we're building out this rotation, we keep running into a spot where Lonnie Walker is the guy that's not getting those minutes. Now, I mean, you still have essentially four point guards. Maybe Patrick Beverly truly is a two at this point. Uh, you're going to use him as a wing defender, whatever it is, so maybe you take him out of the mix. Is Kendrick Nunn really a two? I think he can play off ball, so maybe the Lakers see it that way, but you're going to need some size there as well. Based on everything we've heard so far, I have a hard time imagining Austin Reeves loses minutes because from what we've heard, he's been great so far in all the, the training sessions and has taken a step forward. We'll see if that holds true in training camp and in preseason. But there is going to be a bit of a of a crunch here in terms of minutes, and we'll see who ultimately gets them. But uh, Tony, appreciate you coming on here with us. Uh, thanks for taking the time. Thank, thank, thank you all. All right, we'll bring more people up. The way and to fix the Lakers season is just play Max Christie, baby. Let's go. Play, play I'm Christie. joking. <laughs> play Max Christie. You know, with the way the, the way this roster is constructed, he might see minutes just because they might be uh, struggling to make the playoffs. Just, you know, just putting it out there. Oh, oh opt- Optimus, no. Right. The Max Christie minutes in the regular season, no, that's – I mean, if we're at that point, let's just – Let's call it a wrap. Hey, I, got, I got grief for that, saying that early in the offseason, he wasn't going to see many minutes. So I'm giving you guys who are complaining their wish. Optimism Prime has fallen. <laughs> All right. Do better, Matt. I'm sorry. 
I would like to not lie to like the thousand people in here. I think that's, you know, I think that's, I don't think Max Christie's going to see minutes unless the Lakers are in a position where, and particularly that's because they're guard depth, but unless the Lakers are in a position where there's, they're not a playoff team and it's clear, then it makes sense to give him minutes. Otherwise I don't see it happening unless something happens where he just surprises everybody and he's so good that you can't, you know, keep him off the floor. But again, that's, not something you would project at this point. Uh, let's bring on another fan. Let's bring up, with all due respect, Mark Jackson's burner account. Welcome on. His burner's burner. So that's right. His burner's burner. Mark Jackson's burner's burner. Welcome, welcome in, man. Yo. My bad. I was doing something. We're talking about the trade. All right, basically, like, the Lakers tax is definitely a thing. That's what I could learn from this. Because I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm one of those guys that, like, I came in with LeBron. Because like, I just follow LeBron wherever he goes. So, yeah, I see it, yeah. Like, I'm a bad like, But I wouldn't say I'm a casual, though. But I did that. So, the picks, to me, aren't worth that much. But I know to you guys, because you guys are actual Lakers fans, they're worth a lot. But I just can't see it like that. But... Like, I honestly think the um the Spurs trade is, like, and maybe it's just because so many things are off the table now, but the Spurs trade doesn't look that bad to me, especially if you can get protections on one of the first-rounders. So, like, I would think it'd be, like, Russ and a lottery-protected first, maybe, for McDermott and Richardson. And I don't, I don't even know if the money works with that, really. But uh, I think I think that'd work because I think I'll start off with um, Pat Bev, Richardson, LeBron, AD, and Thomas Bryant is similar to what we had in 2020 as well. With Danny Green, would kind of I mean Josh Richardson would kind of be playing the Danny Green role, and then Pat Bev would just be off the ball, I guess, because he wouldn't really be the point guard since he's better at the two. But LeBron would be the point guard in that lineup, and not your bench. You still have like Austin Reeves, Lonnie Walker if he pans out. So yeah, I think I think like. And I heard that the Spurs were, like, actually interested in a deal, opposed to before where it's just, like, the Lakers are interested and they're the ones, like, they're the ones um, bargaining from, like, a position of weakness. But, yeah, so I'm at that point now, I guess. All right, guys, what do we what do we think? Uh, Matt, Sean, Ron, what do you guys think about a potential Spurs trade? And what do you think about the dynamic in terms of, how many LeBron fans, if you're a LeBron first fan, the Lakers first round picks really are completely meaningless in 2027 and 2029. They have no value because LeBron is almost certainly not going to be a Laker at that point. So is some of the outrage over the Lakers not getting a deal done? Could that be part of the explanation for it? Even though I think you can understand why a Lakers fan would be upset. I think the volume would be turned up if you are a LeBron only fan, right? Yeah, as a, like, I got the sense around LeBron fans that, like, they're, like, way more upset because they just look at it as, like, they're ruining LeBron's legacy and they, they're, like, putting the season so LeBron is, like, not going to win anymore. That's how they're looking at it. They're not really looking at it from, like, oh, like, the Lakers are not going to be able to, like, they, you can't give up picks that far down the line because that could really limit you later. Like, they don't care at all. So, because it's just two different perspectives, like you can't, and you can't really like do anything about that. But yeah, because wherever LeBron goes, his fans are 
always going to go to. Yeah, no, totally. You know, from a LeBron fan's perspective, that makes sense. I don't know why LeBron fans would think it's ruining his legacy. I don't think LeBron is anything else left to prove. I mean, that's just me personally, though. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that makes sense from that point of view. And uh, about a Spurs trade in general, I mean, in terms of the fit on the court, I don't mind it. Uh, even though it's a lottery protected first, I'm not sure if I'd do that. Um, you are going to get a massive trade exception back. So you could, I mean, if you have something in mind for that, then uh, that could be uh, a real asset as well. But most trade exceptions don't really get used, to be honest. Um, so in terms of the players you're getting back, I like McDermott a lot. I like Richardson a lot as a fit with this team. Um, I think it might have been Ron or it was Matt. It was like uh, Richardson is really, really overrated or really underrated. Last year, he got the really uh, underrated part of Josh Richardson. Um, so, yeah, I think they both be a uh, quality rotation players. And Richardson probably would start. If not, he's your, one of your top players off the bench. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't mind the players you're getting back in, this, in, that, in a potential Spurs trade. Yeah, yeah, that was me who said that uh, Josh Richardson essentially rides the roller coaster every year from overrated to underrated. Um, and that's why I kind of don't want to give up two first-round picks for him because right now he's underrated, which means what's going to happen this year? He's going to be overrated. Like, it's the roller coaster is going to continue. Pick. So I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about that deal. I wouldn't do two firsts for that deal. I'm not even 100% sure about one. I mean, if you could do one protected, that'd be great. But it, it's I, I just don't see that deal as uh, raising the ceiling of the Lakers to the point where they're championship contenders. So I, I don't really know if I love that deal. Um, but as for LeBron's legacy, uh, I think LeBron legacy talk is kind of over because everyone that loves LeBron is going to love him regardless of what he does the rest of his career. And everyone that hates LeBron is going to hate him regardless of what he does the rest of his career. So there is no more LeBron legacy talk for me, I think. I, I think. Uh, everyone's kind of settled into where they stand with him. He's 38. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I don't think that it's something where you're too worried about legacy. I mean, obviously you'd like LeBron to get another shot to win a, a championship and kind of cement things that way. But uh, I, I don't. it's not like people will suddenly start seeing him as a lesser player or something if this season isn't isn't phenomenal if they don't win a championship this year. I think most people are pretty locked into their positions of LeBron goat or Jordan goat. And I don't know, I guess you could say if he, if he had this a dominant season this year and they won a championship, that's certainly a feather in his cap. But again, I think people are so entrenched into their positions. I don't know if it changes all that much. Um, let's, let's bring on one more. And let's see if they're connecting. Big Fazo, how are you doing? What's good, Laker Nation? It's Fazo, bro. You good? What's going on, Sean? What's good? Fazo. What's good, Got Ryan? It. What's going on, Laker Nation? In the bottom, what's going on? I just want to bring a little optimistic spirit to the uh to the panel, man. We've been deceived all daggone summer, man. You know, I've been one of those ones trying to get rid of Russell Westbrook. It looked like we're gonna have to go through it. We're gonna have to deal with it. Number zero will be on the roster. So let's get a little optimistic, people. What can we do with this roster, man? I woke up this morning, Trevor had to look and see, like, are we really that bad? Compared to the 2020 roster, it looked like we got a, a lot of the spots filled. JaVale, Dwight, I think Damian Jones and Thomas Bryant got a little more skill set than JaVale and Dwight have. 
They uh, I mean, Damian Jones got he offered the alley, the alley threat, just like both of them. They got a jumper that neither one of them had. Thomas Bryant got a jumper that neither one of them had. If we break down Avery Bradley in the regular season, folks, we got to remember he booted on us in the bubble. He didn't even go with us to the bubble. So a 94-foot 3-and-D guy undersized, I mean, that's Patrick Beverly now. He's shooting 30-something percent in the three. So I think we got that covered. Danny Green was someone who the fans wanted to get rid of. I know we don't got amnesia quick, but he was getting – Come on now, we know he was getting crazy. His family was getting crazy threats to some of his performances. So I think he can be replaced easily. We know he got championship pedigree, but he was a three and D six six guard. We have that Troy Brown. I mean, he ain't got Troy. He ain't got championship pedigree, but Lonnie Walk. I mean, Lonnie Walker and Kendrick Nunn. I think they can replace Danny Green easily. Juan Toscano. I think he can play the Cools role. Now Cools was way more. He had a bigger skill set. But he wasn't asked for that skill set when he played for us in 2020. He had team duties, which was defensive responsibilities and rebounding. Juan Toscano can do that easily, and he just came from Golden State, which was a shooting team. So I'm expecting him to shoot better with with more ex, with more uh, shots this uh, with more shots this uh, season and more availability, uh, more time on the court easily. And then let's go to Malik Beasley. That just the point I wanted to bring up to you Trevor and the rest of the panel. What will we have to what will we have to do to get Malik Beasley on the purple and gold and to get him to replace us with the KCP role? Cuz everything else to me is is picked up. The KCP role from 2020 and maybe the Rondo veteran point guard IQ championship spot, but other than that, I'm just looking to replace the KCP role. What do we do to get Malik Beasley to replace that? Really quick before we talk about Malik Beasley, I, I think your evaluations are right for the centers. I do think in terms of the skill sets provided, the centers we have are, you know, could be better fits or better players in general comparison-wise. Um, Thomas Brown, like you mentioned, the the effort and the how sweet plays with plus the stretch out three-point shooting ability. And Damian Jones just being the drop coverage, rim running big, that's an alley-oop threat. I think we start talking about the guards and the wings. I think your evaluation takes a turn, though. Like, Lonnie Walker and Kendrick Nunn, they just aren't wings. And they're also, like, Lonnie Walker can't guard. He's not a defensive wing that or a defensive player in general. They can't really shoot the three well. Or he's he can't shoot it, but he's still so inconsistent at it. Um, when we start, and this is a common, you know, consistency with Lakers Twitter and Lakers fans in general with JTA. Let's not compare him to Kyle Kuzma because you're setting yourself off a failure because or a disappointment. Because Kuzma is a dude during the championship season also averaged 12 to 13 points per game while doing the defensive stuff while also being a better shooter. Now, I love JTA. I think he was my favorite uh, free agency signing. But I think when we start comparing him to Kuzma, you're setting yourself up for failure. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think comparing this team to that title team is fair to this team. And you're setting yourself up for disappointment and frustration um now granted i'm out of the people up here from the staff i do think i'm the most optimistic that darvin could get this ridiculous uh group of chaos to work but um yeah i i I don't think it's fair to compare this team to the title team i I think that team made a lot more sense the team had a way more wings um and yeah the team also was able to stay healthy for a whole year so 
Yeah, I think I think the one piece of optimism I could I could bring, which uh, it's not a lot, guys. I'm going to be honest with you, it's not a lot. But it's a hard job, Ron. I don't blame yeah. you. Yeah, man, I don't get how you do it. My head hurts just thinking about it. But the best I'm going to do is last year's team uh, was was terrible, and the reason they were terrible beyond the Russ stuff, people like to blame Russ. I'm not a huge like blame Russ guy for last year. The reason last year's team was so awful is because no one on that, very few players on that team, really, it was just Malik Monk and Austin Reeves, were playing with anything to prove. They were just kind of veterans, old dudes that were just collecting their checks and going about their business, and they weren't guys that felt like they had anything to prove because they'd already accomplished everything they're going to accomplish. This year's team is a lot younger and it's filled with a lot of guys that like maybe feel like they're being doubted or being slept on and they feel like they have something to prove. So this team feels like they're going to come out of the season a lot hungrier. You know, they, they want that success. They want to prove themselves in this league. JTA, Troy Brown, Lonnie Walker, these are guys that have not proven themselves really and want to do that. So I think this team will be better than last year's strictly because I think the players on the floor are going to care more than they did last year. I also think this team, in terms of individual talent, might be better, and you have a better, what should be a better defensive team as well. I just think that, you know... Hard to be worse. Yeah, subbing out old, old veteran players for younger, more athletic ones, I think your baseline is a little bit better by default. So that plus, you know, the assumption that you have better coaching, I think the Lakers will be better this season. It's just a matter of how much better. And the bar is very low when we're talking, when we're comparing to last season, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I agree with y'all. I, I mean, with the health point, though, I think health is something you can play with every year for any team. I mean, nobody going to really know if somebody's going to be healthy at the end of the season. But I agree with y'all. But the point to what I was saying, Sean, with Danny Green specifically was, I remember how high we was, or as a fan base, we was on Danny Green. And I'm not necessarily saying he came in and he was a daggone all-star two guard. But I'm saying, like, I think we will have productivity from the two guard, especially if we're going to have perimeter defense replaced with Patrick Beverly. We're not going to really, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're not, we're not going to be focused on that this year. I think we're going to be locked in if we have a head of the snake in perimeter defense with Patrick Beverly this year. We have somebody to funnel to our shot blockers. So I don't think we, nat- we naturally need lockdown defenders out there with wings when we really have paint on the lock and we have perimeter uh you know, we have perimeter lockdown players. So, I mean, we're going to see. I'm not saying this is the roster I want. I'm just saying I'm being a little optimistic because at the end of the day, I still feel like Anthony Davis and LeBron James, when healthy, is the best duo in the NBA, and I stand on that against anybody. Um, with a with a couple dogs with them, you know, I'm just ready to see how it do. Roll us out. Let's see how we get a crack. L.A., let's do it one more time, man. Clutch Kingdom. All right, I like the the optimism, and I hope you're right. I hope that this does work out great, and hopefully we get a fun season that we can all enjoy, and this team comes together and it all works out better than we ever expected, and that all the pieces come to fit, and we ultimately wind up with a roster that looks somewhat similar to the title team. We'll see if they can actually get to that point. I'm going to be skeptical until we see it out there on the floor, but uh do need to thank everybody for coming on here thank you to all of our guests who joined us you guys did a a fantastic job as always and of course 
uh, our Lakers Nation staff, Matt, Ron, Sean, thank you guys for coming on here as well. Always fun when we get to jump on and talk Lakers basketball, particularly when it's impromptu because there's big news in the NBA and we get to jump on here and discuss. So thank you to all of you guys for for jumping on and, uh, and joining this. October 3rd, baby. Thanks for having Let's- us. Let's get it started. I'm sick of talking about trade rumors. Let's just get the season started. Let's get basketball being played. Let's go. Amen. We're almost there. Media day on Monday. Training camp starts right after that. Heck, we've got there's a there's going to be a preseason game. What a week from tomorrow. It's going to be super early in the morning. But the Warriors are taking on the I think it's the Wizards at like I don't know. I want to say it's like 3 a.m. or something or something like that. Well, but, I don't know. If yeah, I'm be- I, I, I don't know if I'm that desperate, Trevor. I, I, <laughs> I, I said I wanted basketball. I don't know if I want it that bad. I record it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're right. You're right. So, I'll record it. I'm so excited to watch Warriors Wizards preseason, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's it's basketball. I'll take it, and then it won't be long until we've got Trevor. the Lakers back on on the floor. I'll take what we can get. Trevor, the only thing worse than Warriors Wizards at 3 a.m. is recording it and watching it after the result has already been made final. That that feels so much worse. You wouldn't watch it? I would still not, watch it. I don't I, I don't like to watch games like knowing the result unless I'm like doing it with a specific purpose, which is to like watch for a specific type of scheme or like, you know, watch that type of thing. But I don't like to watch a game that I already know the result. I think right. football will tide me over for a little bit. I can wait till the Lakers actually play. It's, it's a okay. point. Okay, well, it's not too much longer, right? We've got, what, a, a week from, I think it's Tuesday. So October 3rd, it's coming. Lakers versus Kings. Can't wait. Get the guys back on the floor. Let's go. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Of course, the Lakers Nation podcast over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.